Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound Podcast. Each week we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. Buckle up your seatbelts. You're in store for a great episode today. I got to have a great conversation with Frankie Matos, singer, songwriter, producer, and podcaster. He really had some great insight into the process. I really love his music. I particularly love his beautiful voice. Hey, let's listen to his song, Unglorious. okay I've always been that way no matter what you say doesn't bother me it's who I'm meant to be meant to be Hey, everybody. I'm really excited about today's guest. I met him at Mr. Beery's at, I believe it was a Lady Beast 
uh, program with Ann O'Rourke, and I had Ann O'Rourke as a uh, early guest on the podcast, and I I was encouraged to talk to Frankie, and Frankie uh, Matos was not ready at the moment, but timing is everything, and I want to welcome Frankie Matos to the Long Island Sound podcast. Good to have you here, Frankie. It's good to be here and to be ready. <laughs> it's good to be uh, back in the the music world that I was sort of uh, only one toe in for a while. So it means a lot to be here. So what do you mean by that? You had you had one toe in. You're half in, half out, or yeah, you know the not to be too cliche about it, but I think everybody has a a pandemic story of I was doing this and then the pandemic happened and then I wasn't doing this anymore. <laughs> whatever this is in your life, you know? And, uh, for me, it just, uh, you know, there was no, nowhere to play, no money to be made. And I got offered a a day job and that, uh, consumed my life for a while. And I'm, I'm still there, but I've just been making strides to try and, uh, balance it a little better and, uh, sort of pull myself out of the, the funk, if, if you would, from the, uh, just the, I don't want to say depression necessarily because it's such a loaded word, but the malaise of the uh, pandemic era, just uh, some people, it inspired them to write and to work on art. And for me, I was just like, I don't want to have any part of expressing how I feel in this right now. So, you know, I guess as as we pulled out of that. Yeah, I know. I know exactly how you, you feel, Frankie, especially when you have divided passions, you know, uh, it's like me. I, I My passion is podcasting and talking to people and meeting people and uh, trying to uh, appease my curiosity about how singer-songwriters and how people produce music. I find it fascinating. But then there's the day job that puts food on the table, and uh, my, my spouse uh, always reminds me, hey, don't, don't forget your, your day job. But, uh, yeah, the pandemic, real, mm-hmm. the pandemic and quarantine really threw a lot of us for a loop, and I don't think anybody bounced back really quick, but there was – an opportunity for some people to dive into their creative juices to produce it. Um, I couldn't say I was not one of those people. So it's good to have you back, Frankie, back in the, in the game. So good to, to be back. Yeah. Hey, I got to say this. I, so I was listening to your music. You got a really great voice. I don't know if you have perfect pitch, but um, I really enjoyed listening to your music and, um, you know, particularly there were a couple of videos where you were harmonizing, I think, with Anne O'Rourke and uh, some other young lady. You were doing an Everly Brothers tune, if I recall. Mm. It was really, really had, really came. Ah, uh, yeah, that would be Sam Monteleone, friend of ours. Yeah, it, it came in into it really well. So I got to ask you this: let's reel the let's reel the pages of the years back. What was your influence to you know? Did you, you sing around the house? Or you come from a family that liked to sing a musical, or or you know? How did how did the muse grab you to be a writer and and uh, uh, an instrumentalist? Hmm. Well, I'm probably not the first, and definitely not the first in my family to do some version of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Probably the person who's pursued it in the most the way that we know now of the modern sort of singer songwriter. But on both sides of my family, there's definitely people who play in some capacity and sing in some capacity, but probably the most direct at least in my in my house and in my my world growing up um my mom likes to sing she would sing at church and in the car and and such and my dad played music as a kid and he, he has ms so he couldn't really play most mm-hmm. of the time that i've been able to register memories but he um 
you know, always talked about it. So I always admired musicians. And I have uh, an uncle, my uncle Mike, who was in a band in the 90s. And he uh, taught me a lot about self-recording and playing and, and let me borrow some of my first gear. So I would say there was a good, healthy uh, musical influence in my my family life growing up not so much as some of the other people i know who like you know they like would play in a band with their their parents as kids or something but right right right. definitely enough that i can't take all the credit yeah i tell you of the artists that i've interviewed it's all over the gamut it really is i mean there are some that are really blessed with musical families there's others who uh have good writers and and good readers uh that really dive into books that help them become uh, good songwriters. And uh, like my family, I think we played the radio. That was like the, the only instrument. But there was always music, which was influencing us in, in a lot of different ways. So, um, so on that vein, if you had to pick three artists that you would say, hey, you'd like to emulate or had a good influence on you, who would they be? Depends when you asked me, but earliest for sure would be, I'll group these as one artist, the Beatles, especially Paul McCartney was the big one when i saw him in concert that mm-hmm. was like the second concert i'd ever saw i was that was when i really dove into trying to make music as a as a passion so that's the big number one mm-hmm. after that when i was in college just around the same time i i had gotten a, a record player a few years before and and i was gifted a bunch of of albums and uh so at the same time i got into billy joel and the beach boys really deeply so those were the people I was listening to when I wrote most of the stuff that I, I have out at the moment. And then, uh, you know, in college I got into all the like singer songwriter people and more, more modern stuff. And I've had my little rabbit holes that I've jumped down the last few years, but those were the early ones for sure. Gotcha. Now, did you, in picking up your instrument, did you also begin writing songs at the same time or did that come a little later for you? It's tough to nail down exactly when I would, credit myself with having written a song <laughs> because <laughs> when you're a kid and you're just noodling around on instruments you know I remember I can still hear it in my head um there's this little tune that was literally just an ascending and descending C major scale on the piano but we put some uh, gibberish words to me and my brothers and cousins because um we'd gotten this this thrifted or gifted piano this this old out of tune wooden upright thing (laughs) that somebody didn't need anymore and we had the space for it thankfully and so we just would hammer away at that thing and be like look at us we're writing songs (laughs) but we're really just like slamming on the keys so i mean if you consider that writing songs then i guess i've been writing them since i was in elementary school but i wouldn't really credit myself with having written anything worth calling a song until probably my last year of high school um and even then, I, I still sometimes go back and forth on how much I like that material. I hear you. You know, it's funny. When you were talking about having the piano in your house, we had a piano as well. And my sister and I took lessons. And Mrs. Wallace, I still remember my teacher today. And I was horrible at practicing. But I do remember the noodling aspect of just discovering the piano and improvising just when nobody was around. And uh, I remember, I think I, I stopped by, I was up in Geneseo at college, and I stopped by a piano and just started playing on it. And my friends were like, wow, you're really good. I really was horrible. 
but I was just improvising and it it sounded good. So I didn't tell him how horrible I was. I left that a big well, secret. You should give yourself credit because that has uh, probably an indicator that you at least understand what music sounds like, even if you don't necessarily have the uh, the the knowledge to make it the way that one we consider proper. You have a, a sense about it that people who don't know that you're untrained are just assuming you are. Yeah, so fake it till I to your credit. Fake it till I make it. <laughs> That's. That's life. That's all life. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. You got to picture yourself doing it. And in saying that, let me ask you, what was your first, tell me about your first experience taking a guitar and singing in front of people. How long ago was that? And, and tell me about it. What was the experience like? People or person changes, but I think probably the one I'll credit this, I'll credit person to the first time because okay. if this person would have shot me down or told me I was terrible. I only, I kind of wonder if I would have had the bug that, you know, that bit me, that made me go, I got to do this in front of more people. But I, I had this, this first girlfriend in high school, um, when I was a kid, little kid, um, probably I think my sophomore year of high school. And, um, she knew I played guitar, but I hadn't written songs or sang like and played guitar. I didn't even think I could possibly sing and play at the same time. I was like, how can you do both? And, um, right. <laughs> but, um, she wanted me to teach her little brother how to play basket case by green day. And, um, okay. so I, I learned it and it's a simple song. It's like, you know, the chords are essentially Canon and D. And, uh, so I, I learned it on my acoustic guitar and brought it over to her, her basement and I, I played it for her and, and her brother. And I like kind of sang the song to show, show him, you know, here's what it is. So I'm not just hammering away on the guitar. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll show you how to play it. But, um, you know, she, the the girl had said like, oh, that was good. And her parents were like, oh, we could hear you from up here. You know, uh, that sounded good. And I think after that, I was like, hmm, I should try that again. <laughs> so I think this, the first time I played in front of people multiple was there was like a little, I, I was in the church youth group growing up and uh, there was like a little okay. talent show thing. And so I played for a couple of my friends there. And then after that, that was it. I started looking for open mics and sneaking into bars I wasn't allowed in because I was too young. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, the influence of, Two things come come to mind, uh, which seems to be a common denominator. One, the influence of church on music and giving you an opportunity to to sing, and open mics, uh, most definitely to uh, to learn your craft and go from there. Hey, Frankie, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk about the song our audience heard coming in on Glorious, and I want to talk about how you develop the muse from that. Hey, everybody, we're going to be back with. Frankie Matos, producer, singer, songwriter. I think you did a podcast, too, from what I remember. I sure do. Okay. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. Are you ready to groove to the rhythm of Long Island's music scene? The Long Island Sound Podcast invites you on a melodic journey through the talented musicians and thriving venues that keep the island rocking. Get your front row seat by subscribing to the Long Island Sound Podcast on gigdestiny.com. Let the music ignite your soul. Find us wherever you stream your podcast. Everyone, we're back. This is Steve Yusko, your not-so-humble host, as my wife would say, with uh, Frankie Matos. And Frankie, before the break, we talked about the song our audience heard, Unglorious. Tell me how that came to you. Uh, was it the, you know, the old question, was it the, the melody and then the lyrics or vice versa? But how did you develop that song? Yeah, that old question, right? Um, yeah. The best I can remember 
it was maybe my last year of, of college or my, my original run of college anyway. Um, I, I ended up dropping out or taking a break. I, I may go back, but I uh, was in the practice room because I was in the music program at Stony Brook and uh, I had keyboard class and I was very bad and still remain very bad at playing the keyboard. And I was supposed to be practicing uh, my work for the class. And instead, I just decided to goof off and mess around on the piano. And there's um, there's an artist who the song ended up not sounding anything like her. But at the time I was getting into there's this artist called Dodie who has these very introspective okay. singer songwriter like just tender tracks. And there, um, there was this song called six out of 10. That's uh it's an older cut now, but at the time wasn't so old. And, um, it's just this, mm-hmm. this perspective of yourself where you're, you're looking sort of from, from the outside and being like, um, you know, I think this is how people see me. And, uh, sure. so I was just kind of noodling at the piano and I had that phrase, you know, I am unglorious. And then, uh, call it positivity or call it, this is just the lyrics that fit. But I, I guess the twist turned into making it more positive and being like, but that's okay. You know, and, and right. it's just spun out from there. And then, uh, it, it took a while to take shape musically because, uh, I didn't really know what to do with it. Cause it's really just that sort of like, uh, those like earth angel chords sort of, <laughs> you know, waltzy song that, that was popular in the fifties and uh, early sixties. But it's, um, I ended up recording it just at, um, years, not years later, a couple years later. And, um, okay. I, uh, was just playing around with it and I was like, oh, this will be the demo track. And then I put that out as the real thing. <laughs> That's the end of the story. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you know, it's, I'm interested in, you know, cause I've, I've put little pieces of thousands of songs, which I've captured somewhat in prose but not so much um in melody and i'm really kicking myself in the ass for not doing so so when you're at bring me back to that moment where you're at the piano how did is it just kind of musically lingers in your head or did you record it on your phone and and where'd you where'd you take it where did it progress from there i know you know i i, I it kills me when people oh i dreamt it in 30 seconds i wrote the whole damn thing <laughs> but but most most songs are a process how did you go from taking that phrase and noodling on the piano, did you capture it right then and there and bring it home or did it linger on your phone or wherever? Well, unglorious. Well, for one, anything on the piano always is a weird exception to me. And I, and I hope to change this in the future. I hope I hear this a year from now and think, ah, what a young and experienced child, but, uh, uh, I'm not very good (laughs) at the piano. So typically I'm just maybe playing one note or one half chord, you know, a dyad, a triad, just something to, to sound like something. And um, but I, I know for sure what I had was the the Doty song I was sort of thinking of has this this refrain that's like I feel like a six out of ten and so in my head I go I am unglorious you know and I was like okay let me go from there and so when I had mm-hmm. that 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 little melody to it it kind of has to go down now so you know na, 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 na. and yeah okay now I'm gonna go to the relative minor and it's like so there's there's a little bit of uh, I guess mild beginner level theory to it. You know, I probably wasn't thinking that hard about it at the moment. It probably just felt natural. But, you know, thinking about it later, I can go, OK, that's why I did this, why I did that. So I probably had those four <laughs> chords and maybe some lyrics. I don't remember exactly how far I got in that little session. I probably wrote it down. Maybe I did a voice memo. I don't really remember, to be honest. I have a terrible memory for these things. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I was frequenting this this open mic where I met 
most of my friends that uh, doesn't exist anymore called Vox Populi. My friend Mike Perlmutter okay. ran it. And um, that was probably the first place I played it. But I think I played it with all open chords. And so it took a while to, de- to develop. So it didn't really come out right there on the on the piano. But I think for me, a song always starts with one little idea where I go, this is enough for me to branch mm-hmm. into the rest of it. You know, if it hooks me, then I go, all right, let me expand it. So I guess that must have hooked me enough. Hey, so as in composing, are you mostly uh, a sole practitioner in that you write all your own stuff or have you branched out and collaborated or do you have plans to collaborate? You know, where, where do you sit on that? I have been trying to warm myself up to the idea of bringing other people into it. It's only very recently in my life that I have people I think I trust enough with mm-hmm. that vulnerability. That's okay. the word I'm looking for. That works. You know, because by the time you finish writing, you've decided, and I, and I, I spoke with Pete Mancini about this on my own podcast. Great guy. Um, Great guy, by the way. The, uh, oh, love Pete. And, um, you know, because I, I, was, I was asking him essentially that question because I was saying, I would really like to collaborate with people. How do you, how do, you do it? And he was saying, well, you know, by the time that you, you've written... You've decided how much to be vulnerable about. You're done with it, right? So when you let other people into that process, you know, you've probably decided at the very least, this is what the song's about. This is what I'm going to write. And then you're help having other people, you know, in that process. So, so maybe I can start there. But um, I do have some people in my life who are interested in uh, collaborating. So maybe in the near future, but up until now, uh, it's been just a one-man operation. Yeah, I've I've talked to other artists who've who've done some interesting collaborations with strangers, so to speak. You know, where they'll do a songwriting circle, and I don't know what you call it, and they'll come up with, you know, let's write something about windows. You know, and and they're purposeful about it in in piecing stuff together, whether they're piecing it into their own song or a group song. It's an interesting exercise to, uh, you know, put out. So, um, hey, let's do this. Uh, let's take another break uh, just real quickly. And when we come back, I want to talk about the new single that you have out that I really want everybody to hear. Okay, everybody, hang with us. We'll be right back with Frankie Matos. Calling all music enthusiasts. Long Island is a wellspring of talent. And the Long Island Sound Podcast is here to celebrate its vibrant music scene. Tune in to discover the stories behind Long Island's incredible musicians their creative process, and the iconic venues that make the music come live. We are back. And you know that because you hear me talking. And I'm with Frankie Matos. Hey, Frankie, uh, before the break, we were talking about your new single, which is, I like the room better when we're in it together, which is a great phrase. Tell me about that song, uh, it's mm. released, right? It's it's out out in the marketplace. It's out in the marketplace. It sure is. Yep, came out in in March, which makes it in my most recent release. <laughs> Tell me about it. How did that come about for you? That was a funny one. It's actually not the first song I wrote after my sort of uh, unintentional hiatus, but it was the one that sort of got this this buzz in the room whenever I'd play it at open mics and stuff. And, um, you know, my friends, like my, my musician friends really love this other one that I wrote. I mean, they like that too, of course. I mean, they're very supportive, but it's funny cause I was like, oh, I'm sure that the one I just wrote would be my next single, but 
all of a sudden I'm, I'm bringing this song to, to open mics and people are singing along to it by the second chorus. Strangers, oh, you know, cool. people I've never met who've never seen me play. who've obviously never heard the song because it was brand new at the time. And so I was like, OK, I've got something here. I've got to <laughs> I've got to do something with this. So that really put a fire under my my rear end to go and, and finally do a proper recording for the first time in a few years. And so, yeah, that one. Uh, you know, you know what's that. cool about that is using using these open mics is like an incubator for uh, audience reaction, you know, for better or for worse. So that that's a pretty cool story that someone's actually singing along. That tells you that, hey, this is something that's going to stick in somebody's mind uh, when they hear it, you know. So, Right. Yeah, that had never really happened before. I mean, my friends who knew my songs would sing along after hearing them for years and years. But, you know, for an audience of strangers to be and, – and granted, it's, it's the, to their – credit or to the songs what you know just to be to be frank about it no pun intended the uh it's it's simple and easy to to uh you know follow along to probably more than anything else i've ever written but if if you didn't like it you wouldn't be singing along so i have to assume i That's did right. something right so now when you go out and i see that you're 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 gigging around the island um do you strictly play uh, alone or do you are you in a duo or, or have you pulled any bands together what's your experience been with that well the real answer is that i would like to have a band and i would like to have you know more production value to my shows to my gigs it's just very hard to uh organize that and you know it doesn't feel right to do it without paying people or giving them something in return and you know, typically a gig isn't really paying enough for you to do that without pulling money right. out of your own pocket and yeah, just hasn't been the right right circumstances yet. But so for mostly out of out of necessity, I am a solo player most of the time. Um, I've been trying to get a little little Facebook network going of people who can trade in sort of uh, favors for each other who can say, like, I'll play, you know, I'll play bass in your show if you come and play lead guitar in mine or. Or whatever, but I haven't quite got that off the ground yet. But um, I have the the group. I just haven't managed. That, that's to make a good idea. Happen. It's almost like music barter when you th when you think about it. A, a music bartering group right. would be a great idea. It's funny because when when you bring that up, and this wasn't my intention in the question, is what I found in speaking. One, a lot of artists on Long Island know of each other, admire each other, but don't always run into each other because they're playing opposite and gigs and here and there. And it, you know, it takes a number of years to develop that relationship. And then, Hey, if you happen to, you know, Sundays seem to be a good day that artists will come and see other artists play somewhere. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that was my experience. We, we did this thing at a place called Fire Island Vines uh, with my guitar teacher, uh, Mike Nugent, who's a great guy. And Mike knows the world and Mike opened, I can't tell you, thousands of doors to me who's a, just a, a schmuck who doesn't uh is not a, a musician by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> but he opened a lot of doors for me and we started doing these like shows and then all of a sudden we like you know there'd be four or five other musicians in the audience supporting him and then coming up and playing here and there and uh, i like to revive that i mean summer is usually like the time to pick up the golden eggs because uh, there's so many venues that are looking for people to play, and there's that backlog after quarantine to, I think, for a lot of people to get out. But I'd like to to kick out, you know, kick up the Long Island sound sound check or whatever we're going to call it, and do something like that. And maybe it can be a collaborative effort mm. to to network. You know what I mean? 
to have those conversations and have people hear have oh, people yeah. hear you live because I think it's so different than a recording. It's just somebody they can see. Hey, yeah, this guy's an entertainer. Hey, look, they're singing to a song. You know, shit like that. I think is is priceless, really. So, and there I go talking about myself for sure. Where we're we going? Hey, let's do this. Let. No, that's a, that's not. You're, you're talking about community. You're talking about how how stuff happens. That's the uh, that's the reality of the. Of yeah, the scene. you know, I tell you, if I had a wish, if I had like money that's dripping out of my brain to pay it, I'd love to either uh, promote a festival or put some sort of gathering together, um, strictly musicians and those who really support them, uh, to do something like that. Um, you know, I've been to and I just 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 came into my brain right now. You ever go to the Bethpage Village Restoration? It's it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful place in Old Bethpage that has all these old buildings, you know, circa 1700s, 1800s, and they have this huge barn uh, there that they actually do weddings at. It would just be a great venue for music. It just looks like the, you know, where you can have a hootenanny. For those who know what a hootenanny is, yeah, that's that's Sounds for the like old, that's for the old folks. But a hootenanny <laughs> is. Uh, a shit good time with a lot of musicians and music lovers. So um, anyway. Yeah, I had a friend who had a, a barn in their backyard who did that a few oh, really? years ago. It's, 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 a, it's a great time and, and uh, a great way to collaborate and uh, meet new friends. That's what life's about. So before we forget about the song, it's called, <laughs> speaking of rooms, <laughs> I like the room better when we're in it together. Check it out, everybody. We'll be right back after the song. Stick with us.
Everybody, good to have you back after that. It's going to be a hit. It's just a great song that people sing to, from what I hear, at open mics. And uh, it's hard to picture if they're singing along when they uh, when they hear your song on Spotify. But I hope they do, and I hope you have great success. <laughs> they better, they better be. be. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you great success. It's it's a really really good song, Frankie. Hey, I want to I want to talk to you about. Your, your recording process, how you got into that. Um, tell me a little bit about your podcast, too. I'm really interested in, in what you play around with, what you do with that. Yeah, that all goes hand in hand because it's it just comes from a passion I have for, for audio production. I really like, I mean, as every artist or most artists will tell you, there is the, the powerful feeling in being a creative comes from well, I hate to say making something out of nothing because the the quote unquote nothing is gear and years of other people's knowledge sure. that's been passed on to me and influences. But we'll say for the simplicity's sake, making something where there once was nothing, and um, these are the tools we used to do it. Uh, you know, microphones and interfaces and computers and you know, once upon a time, reel to reel tape, I suppose, and other such things. But you know, um, I I started making little recordings of myself when I was a, a little kid. I was in a elementary school chorus and uh, I just wanted to know what my own voice sounded like. And we had a little like old headset computer thing. Uh, you know, one of those like that plugs into both the headphone jack and the little microphone jack. They're both those 3.5 millimeter jacks, which you don't see on computers anymore. And uh, cause it was an old computer. I was like, you know, <laughs> second grade wow. or third grade or something. And, um, I sang some old Christmas song, the uh, like the Christmas is coming song, but I sang it in my little <laughs> high girly voice. I had this falsetto, which is where the falsetto nice. I use today comes from, because my voice started changing early and all the people in the chorus were girls. And mm. so I had to match their tone. So I actually learned to sing like that first. But um, I immediately destroyed that recording, because, of course, as anybody who has ever recorded their own voice knows, it does not sound good until you've done a lot to it <laughs> you know compressors and, and and eq and all such things that i didn't even know existed when i was in in third grade so uh but that was uh just that that was so s- satisfying early on and i just iterated on that forever over and over again i i you know i i probably credit my little brother was the first one to introduce me to um the software i use now uh which I, i'd like to get out of using this because it's kind of not good for what i do but fl studio it's, it's more for electronic okay. music for loops but uh it's cheap and uh he he got a copy to make to noodle around with and so uh, i've been using that same <laughs> that same license for years now i've recorded everything i've ever done on it i recorded my stuff i recorded an ep for for ann o'rourke i recorded an ep for uh my friend holden miller who's doing really well um not because of that yeah, ep yeah. but <laughs> i'm still proud of it and um yeah, so it's uh, it's just been a bug that bit me early, and the podcast is part of that. It's the next piece of that, 
you know, I, I really like, I got into podcasts in college, just listening to them. I didn't even really know right, what they right. were before then. And, um, they become a huge part of my routine, um, including yours. Oh, I've listened you. to many an episode. Uh, and it's just, um, I, I just like it. It's the friend that's in the room while you don't have to contribute to the conversation. You know, you can be a little less lonely when you're working on something or driving. And, and I yeah. was like, I want to do that. So I, uh, just started doing one. I had the idea right before the lockdown. Um, and, uh, in the earliest iteration of it, while it was probably technically not safe to get together, um, uh, my friend Karen Bella and I just sat in my parents' backyard cause I was living with my parents back then. So oh. that's how long ago I started it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just hooked up this microphone that you see on camera here, if there's video and, <laughs> and another one like it. And, uh, actually no, this, this, I didn't even have this yet. I had a cheaper one. I had these little $20 Behringer microphones, right, but right. they sounded okay. Um, but you can definitely hear the echo of the alleyway we were sitting in. Cause it was like the, like going back to the backyard between <laughs> two houses. So there's so much echo and, um, but it was, it was fun and it was, it, it, I liked it so much and I, I decided that I would keep doing it once in a <laughs> blue moon. I'd like to do it more. I just, um, I don't want to force it and I don't want to run out of guests. So I, uh, I, I tend to put them out every couple of months. I think we've probably had mostly the, the same guests or I think you've had pretty much all of my guests on yours at some point, uh, you know, Anne and right. Delaney Hafner and Pete and, and all these people, um, you know, just great people who know how to, how to say interesting stuff about being artists. And so that's what it's about. And that's what I do. I know. Uh, so interesting. So I backed into podcasting when it was during, during quarantine, uh, a friend at the time said, you know, Hey, can you be the host? You seem like a, a good guy to do it. And I really fell in love with it. And I was like, I, I think I can do this. That podcast fell, fell apart because it was real arduous to put together. We had to depend upon his son to do it in pro logic and all this stuff. And I'm a gearhead. I love technology. It's like my sandbox where I love to play. And I just went to YouTube and start, I followed this guy, Pat Flynn, who talks all about podcasting since he started back in 2012. And there was just so much information that I found, wow, I, I can do this. I, I picked up Audacity, which is a free program. And I played around with that and I made my mistakes and, you know, you know, a disaster before you become a master type of thing. Uh, but I really love it. But, you know, the more you get into it, man, the more I got to know, particularly when it comes to sound and how you can manipulate it or correct it. And then, you you know, it's like going to a psychology class. And they tell you, don't psychoanalyze yourself. Well, don't record yourself and then become a recording engineer, quasi-recording engineer, because you'll pick your <laughs> shit apart, man. I was like, I say, wow, way too much. You can hear me breathe in between every sentence. You know, like I'm an asthmatic. I am asthmatic, mm. but, you know, emphysemic, you know. I think that's a good way to learn, though, because eat if your your voice is so precious to you, if you're just recording other people, you may not have such a fine toothed comb to go through it with because you go, oh, this is their voice sounds fine to me. But when you have, you know, your voice and, and your personality, your brand is your baby, right? So if, if you don't sound good to yourself when you're hearing yourself, then you're going to really learn how to edit the, the heck out of it. Right, right. But I tell you, there's also as far as podcasting goes, I found a big generation gap. So people, and this is just my opinion, people like above 45, uh, oh, wow, you have a podcast? How do I listen to a podcast? I'm like, holy <laughs> moly. Oh, yeah. Right? And then and then you've got the sweet spot is like from 15 to 40. Uh, they know what podcasting is. They, they listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, people who travel, 
you know, and commute there into podcasts. So I had a I had a studio owner come to me and said, wow, you got a great idea. But it sounds like you're trying to promote it to people who have no idea what a podcast is. And I was like, holy shit, you're absolutely right. So, uh, yeah, you change things up. I, I, you know, my daughter told me, hey, you got to get younger artists in, you know. Um, so it's it's been fairly diverse and I've been very fortunate. And I didn't go uh, into this thinking, hey, well, I run out of guests. I was like, I threw all caution to the wind. And guess what? No problem getting guests. You know, it's a win-win. Right. Well, people love to talk about themselves, don't they? <laughs> don't we, I should say. <laughs> Include myself. Yeah. They've got this. They got the same subject manager. I love me and they love themselves. What's better than that? There you go. <laughs> a beautiful marriage. <laughs> so, so I look forward, Frankie, to your coaching on, on the podcasting front to, uh, to give me a critical ear or ears uh, to my podcast. Cause I always, I always look to get some feedback to say, Hey, I like this or I didn't like that. Or, you know, I had one guy early on, he was, he was very fortunate. He said to me, he goes, sounds like you're talking inside baseball too much. And mm. I was like, wow, okay, that's, that's good to know. And I really appreciate those type of criticisms. You know, same thing with anything else we do, I guess. You know, yeah, you, I think you just you get can... a new host, you'll be fine. No. <laughs> Fire that guy. All right, Frankie, and thank you for coming. Frankie, it's been a, a podcast that's been way, oh, we're running really late here. And uh... <laughs> Hey, Frankie, let's talk about the last song you brought to the table, not that it's the, your last song, because you have more songs. And, yeah, fingers and, you know, crossed. Don't take don't take another hiatus. Come on, keep working. You too, you know. No plans to take any hiatus anytime soon. All right, okay. So tell me about my remedy, and then we'll let the audience have a listen. Yeah, that song recently became important to me again because uh, my cousin asked me to play it at her wedding recently. Shout out to to Gabby and Derek, um, and. Uh, it just reminds you that even though the song might become old to you and even more so, you know, it was written, uh, you know, I don't like to talk too much about what songs are about because I like to let people imagine for themselves what it means to them. But, you know, for me, the song wasn't about a real person. I just, it was just a feeling that I, I wanted to write about that didn't exist. And so for other people, when they hear it, that that's actually kind of the magic of not over explaining your songs is that that song has meant something to people and the relationships they have in their real life, you know, the, uh, people have, have made, you know, e even just the little social media post where they, they quote a lyric from it and they'll send it to me and they'll be like, look, it's our song. You know, we, mm. we, we were listening to it on the way home from that open mic where we met you and, you know, it's been our, our song ever since. And <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's more than I ever imagined for it. And so uh, it's, it's, you know, I always call it an imaginary love song, but uh, that's only true for me. For everybody else, it's, it's uh, just as real as any other. So, Yeah, I think, I think there's no greater comp compliment than when you tell a songwriter, hey, I've just, I've just added your song to my, my uh, soundtrack of my life because it really touched me. 100%. And, uh, that's, that's, like, that's the best in saying, you sounded great. You know what? When a lyric and a song hits you, and I've, I've said this before, and that's why I'm enamored and appreciate songwriters is you have the ability to articulate things for me in a particular moment that I may have difficulty saying or I don't say or I keep hidden or I've said in different ways. And when it strikes the heart, man, there's nothing better than that, you know. So, hey, that's my remedy. <laughs> it sure is. All right. Let's take a listen to my remedy, everybody. We'll be right back with 
producer, singer, songwriter, podcaster, Frankie Mados. Check out the song. We're back with Frankery Frank. There's my tongue gets tied. I knew my tongue would get tied at the end of the thing because I'm yapping, <laughs> flapping my lips too much. We're with Frankie Matos, everyone. <laughs> we sure are. Well, the Frankery is the store where my parents bought me from. Does, does it come in a pack of nine? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. That's too many. Too many, many. Frankies. <laughs> 
and then the buns don't match. It's yeah, it's, it can be, it can, it can oh, bad, bad joke. <laughs> hey, Frankie, I really enjoyed our conversation today, <laughs> and thanks for giving us a glimpse in, into your world uh, and and how you put the muse together, and and especially your music. And that's what the Long Island Sounds all about is the original music that is produced from the wellspring of talent, and you're one of those buckets of water in the wellspring for sure. So. Um, well, thank you so much, and thanks for giving people like me a platform, and people better than me, and people worse than me, maybe. I don't know. I won't judge. <laughs> you know, you settle. <laughs> there you go. All seriousness, Frankie, uh, thank you so much for your time. Say hi to all, you know, to Pete Mancini, and uh, I haven't talked to Ann in a long time. She's a really great, great voice. Uh, a music therapist, I think she is, if I recall. Yeah, so. Yeah. Anyway, until next time, everybody, be well, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Peace.